Hello, hi everybody. Welcome to Football in General. It's Rob Case. And Trevor Koppel. Trevor, I'll be honest with you, when you called me last night to say you need to record today, I was worried I was going to get a Tom Brady-like retirement from you. <laughs> That's good. But, you know, it turns out that uh, you're still on our team. It was just a one-day retirement. That's right. Uh, you checked one... in with your spouse and close family members, and they said, please keep playing. It's obviously your passion. <laughs> Yeah, one one day postponement, and uh, I did have family members asking me today, like, "Where's the podcast? <laughs> Where is the podcast?" Right. Well, here it comes it's hot and ready. We usually serve it out of the oven, put in a box, and divvied up between all people that want to listen. To start off with, Trevor, I'd be remiss to say if I wasn't a little sad today, and might have done some. Uh, well, I might have checked into my own tier bank. This morning to, 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 well, take a look at the inventory. It's quite dry now because, <laughs> as you know, I'm a, a massive New England Patriots fan and the man who carried this franchise for 20 plus years, six Super Bowls, 10 Super Bowl appearances, several MVPs, many passing yards and passing touchdowns and records broken. It just overall good humanitarian in the, the New England community slash kind of scumbag at times because of all the weird things he believes. Um, <laughs> Tom Brady has announced that he is retiring for good. It came out in an Instagram uh, post, what could only be interpreted as recorded a few days before. And um, in typical Tom Brady-like fashion, he posted on social media and with a huge caption said he was retiring, and and he cried during it. No, and And, um, that was, uh, I thought that was really, uh, really touching. You know, he he mentions in the post that he's going to keep it short and sweet. You don't get... You know, you only get one really long emotional retirement post. Uh, but I feel like he squeezed all that emotion into that, that little video because you could see it. You could see it in his eyes. You could see him start to tear up. And uh, if you love this game, uh, whether you're a Tom Brady fan or not, that, uh, that was a big moment. It really was. Uh, definitely felt it. Yeah, I, I don't really remember when Jordan retired for the first time. I think I was like eight years old when he did, or maybe nine. So um, this is the equivalent to that, for sure. Absolutely. And, uh, I wish, I'll be honest with you, man, I wish it hit me harder. Um, not because I'm, like, reserved emotionally, <laughs> or I'm a man and I don't show emotions or anything like that, but because it already happened once. It already happened once, you know? So, like, wh- why do I care if it happens a second time? I mean, it, hurt, it affected me, but I just, in the back of my head, I couldn't help but think, like, and I don't know how, if you felt like this, but maybe it's just the New England Patriots fan in me not wanting, not wanting to see him play in any other franchise anymore. But I just thought, thank freaking God, you know? <laughs> right. I, I mean, seriously, I think it's a. I'm not ready for him to retire, and I think there's more legs for this in terms of our podcast and news and whatnot. But I'm just, I'm over it. I'm over. I'm over the whole thing with him. Over the last couple of years has just been ridiculous, you know. And um, I think it's he's obviously shown he can't really play to to the level he wants. And he said from the get go that if it wasn't with Tampa, then he would be done. And he held his word. Yeah, no, so. I, I I have a lot of respect for it. Um, you know, it, it, it we it's it's still a situation where you know it's he could unretire. I don't think that he will. Um, and uh, if this one does stick and it feels like it's going to stick, I have a lot of respect for him, uh, you know, 
he's he's clearly you know he I I think that he could uh, still play in the NFL and and be productive, uh, be above average, but uh, he can't be Tom Brady anymore, and that's that's really what we're talking about when we say it's time. You know, it's it's time to hang up the cleats because you're not the great Tom Brady anymore. Um, and uh, one more year uh, would just kind of solidify that stigma of playing past your prime and not knowing when to stop. Right. And I couldn't help but wonder, um, and I'm not, you know, obviously there's a lot of like last dance vibes to me watching some of the things the last couple of years. And I couldn't help but wonder if he had time this season to reflect on how much he sacrificed for his NFL career, you know, and for his teammates and other people. And, I, what kind of like impact that might have on him long term, and this, and it just kind of got to him, and he's like, not only am I kind of my my play slipping, but realistically, I mean, what would be the point of doing another year, considering he lost his wife, <laughs> his kids are, you know, kind of going against him now. Is his his reputation is taking a big hit in my mind. I mean, it, he's still the greatest of all time. Don't get me wrong. I think it's just if you look at this year, the last two years, you're just like. You know, we all kind of, it's like, what have you done for me lately? You know, this is the kind of taste that's going to be left, left in our mouth from his greatness, right? Um, is that he went out like this. Well, in and... In a weird, weirdish way. And that's know? that's what I really mean when I say, like, it's better to stop now than, than give it one more year. Because I, I, I see exactly what you're saying. I agree. Uh, but I don't think it's so I, – I think that given a short amount of time, the greatness that was Tom Brady is going to outshine the way the way it ended um, big time through the years. He's not going to be remembered uh, for – he's not going to be remembered for unretiring for one more season. Uh, but if he were to do it a second time, that will always be tacked on. Um, so I think, yeah, uh, I think yeah. it is the right time to stop. Yeah, I, I agree. I just can't help but think like when you think of Jordan's run, obviously the bulls come right to your forefront, right? Mm-hmm. The six championships in seven years or eight years, whatever it was. Right. Um, rarely do you ever think that he played baseball. I think that's like so far down the list. It's not even funny. It's crazy that he even played baseball and he was as good as he was. But like when you think of somehow that wizards run, comes in your head somewhere and you're just like oh yep. shit yeah you know what i'm saying you're I, like I oh know. that didn't that's oh i know exactly what you, <laughs> you mean know? and and, and yeah, tampa bay could have been his wizards but he did win a super bowl with them so that's kind it, of the saving grace sure. right there yeah sure sure but even the last two years like i said even with the super bowl covid year by the way um because <laughs> i just can't ever let anything go right <laughs> um you know you know I just can't help but think, like, in the back of my head, I think of Brady. Obviously, I'm, I lived in New England most of my life. Watched him play. Very fond of him. Loved the teams. And maybe this is just the New England part fan in me thinking, oh, man, he did play for Tampa. <laughs> That's a pretty garbage franchise, regardless of him winning the Super Bowl um, COVID year. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm like, <laughs> in the back of my head, I'm still like, oh, that happens. Ooh. Yeah, that did happen. You know? Um and this, this obviously this last year is just was just like that team wasn't good. No, they they he really was, he was checked out. He I mean they out. they you you can spin it all you want. They did make the 
the playoffs, but they were also the only team in the playoffs with a losing record coming from the worst right. division in the league. Um, right. So, like, even making the playoffs in his last year has a little asterisk next to it. So, Yeah, yeah, and got promptly got smoked by the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, yeah. So, it was, like, at, at, it, yeah. It was bad. Just not, Yeah, it's an interesting walkout. Greatest of all time. Um, see what happens. Obviously... He's going to go to Fox Sports and be a commentator. Um, and just to maybe cap off this conversation, I'm curious about your <laughs> your uh, opinion of it because I only laugh because I think he's going to be a horrible commentator. And I'm well, not saying that because I don't want him in the booth. I just don't right. picture him. Like, it's kind of beneath him to be a commentator. It's a well, little beneath Brady. I won't, be, I won't be surprised if he's not a natural, right? Um but at the same time, the the potential is there when it when you talk about somebody and uh, their knowledge of the game. Uh, you know, a big part of Tony Romo's success in the booth is being able to read the offense that they're talking about, uh, reading the defense, all those things. Um, so Tom Brady absolutely has those tools. Uh, but whether or not he can, you know, come across as as somebody who's just watching the game with you. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he struggles with, uh, with, you know, with the spotlight in that way. Cause it's, it's, it's very different, uh, from being on the field. Um, but I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm so, you know, whether he's great at it or not great or lukewarm, um, I'm looking forward to finding out. I'm excited to see what kind of, what kind of man in the booth he's going to be. Man in the arena. Man in, the booth. Man in the booth in the <laughs> arena. There you go. <laughs> right? That'll be the next Tom Brady, look at me, biography documentary, right, that he has to have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I just don't, I'm not confident in it. And I think if Tony Romo has shown us anything that you can be really good, and then once you're, you feel like you're really good, you stop watching film. And you stop really dedicating your time into, like, being a good commentator, and you just kind of show up after, like, you know, 18 rounds of golf and, start calling games, you know, and you kind of operate the booth like it's your own instead of having Jim Nance kind of operate half of it, him do the the color. Right. Right. That's, that's kind of my concern is that, yeah, like it's, could be beneath him. He won't be a natural at it. And when he, maybe he is good at the bat. I I just don't see him being very invested in it. Maybe I'm wrong because a lot of people thought, thought that about Madden and Madden was like, obviously we weren't alive to hear him in the beginning, but, I think the consensus is that he wasn't great at first, but he was just such a natural color guy that he just got so good and better and better and better that he just became amazing, you know? Right. So, who knows? Who knows? Um, it, it could just be the pessimist in me saying, I don't want Tom Brady to succeed anything else. Could be. No, I, uh, could be, I could be, I could be, I could be suffering for some abandonment issues. So that, that's, could be. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, because I, I have been hearing and wondering myself uh, what uh, what Patriot fans are hoping for. Um, you know, will he uh, official? You know, will he retire as a Patriot? Right now, he's not retiring as a Patriot. A lot of people think that he will retire as a Patriot next year. Um, you know, just an honorary retirement. As, you know, finishing his career officially as a Patriot. Um, and uh, you know, if if this really is the end of it, I would I would think that he'd want to go retire as a patriot. What do you think? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think he will. Like, you're talking when he goes to the Hall of Fame, like, what jersey is he going to wear? I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. That that he's sort of thing, but also, like, like yeah. people are already speculating at the animosity. Like, well, if he doesn't retire as a Patriot and doesn't even mention the Patriots in his retirement, you know, is Robert Kraft going to retire his number? Because it should yeah. be retired, but maybe it doesn't get retired. Yeah. The, the bad blood lives on. Yeah, I, I don't see that. I, I know... I mean, I don't know Robert personally. I mean, we've met before, and we've hung out, and you know, it's not in any places you think, Trevor. Your your mind's in the gutter, obviously. But you guys but, go to the same uh, <laughs> massage parlor, huh? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, make a couple trips to Florida annually. You know, um, on his dime, the the Patriot bus picks me up or the plane. Um, you know, and I can't. You you know, I I just can't help but think that like. Kraft is going to, yeah, he's, I don't know about the number, but, because whoever knows about the number, I don't know how often that happens in the NFL, to be honest with you. I, I don't think nearly as often as we think it does, you know? Right. Because there's just so many guys on the team. Not that that really matters, it's Tom Brady, but did they retire Jordan's number? Yeah, I mean, I guess they did Chicago, but that's basketball. It, it's, I don't know. I don't know about the number, but he's, I think they're pushing for him to sign a one-day contract to retire as a Patriot, and. It wouldn't surprise me if that happens. And I always thought him and Kraft got along a lot. And they he always saw Kraft as sort of like a father figure to him. Um, I'm not sure if he felt the same way about Bill, but right. Well, uh, and I did, and that's fine. But I I did yeah. hear uh, Bill Belichick put out a a pretty pretty warm tweet considering who it's coming from, uh, saying he's the best best uh, player uh, he's ever known, best player in the history of the league, kind of a thing. Right, <laughs> they, they they have a lot of respect for one another. It, it's unfortunate how it ended, but just because it ended like that doesn't mean that he'll, he won't go back to craft. And I, I think they'll work something out. I, it, maybe not right now. Maybe a couple of years, or who knows? Who right. knows? Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I imagine that if there is an offer out there to Brady that he can't refuse, that he'll come back. And maybe he's holding out for that before he signs that one day contract. So we'll have to keep an eye on it moving forward. Right. Well, keep but an eye now. on it. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, right. I, I I figure it's something that will happen eventually. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if it happened pretty soon, uh, you know, towards the yeah. start of next season. Just because, you know, if, if he really is fully retired, permanently retired, and he's looking back on everything, uh, you know, it's it's not the Foxborough Patriots. It's the New England Patriots, and, and he's meant so much to so many people in that region. Uh that I think, uh, you know, I don't know, like, I, like you, I don't know him personally, but uh, I'd be pretty surprised if he uh, didn't uh, acquiesce to that request. So, yeah, it would seem inevitable, right? Right. You know, um, and it probably is. We just we just can't really see it right now because it like of all the animosity and things the way it ended, but it seems pretty inevitable, and I hope it is. No, I would. So, let's move from Tom Brady to a guy who was retired. We don't really know what ha- what, what kind of space he was in, but uh, I tell you what, Trevor, and I don't know what the fever pitch is there in Denver. have to imagine it's pretty high in terms of optimism and uh, just being excited about getting somebody that could possibly go from, turn, take this team from 5-12 and 12 to 6-11. and 11. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think they found the right guy for the job. And um, the Broncos announced Sean Payton's hiring 
well, let's see, 6 p.m. Eastern time, so that was about three hours ago today. Right, right. And, um, and yeah. They're, they're still, you know, working everything out. It's not a done deal yet, um, but, you know, they've announced it. Uh, Sean Payton has changed his, you know, profile picture on social media to a Broncos helmet. Uh, that that bodes extremely well for this being uh, a done deal, all but officially. Um, and uh, when you look at at where the Broncos are right now, the season they just had, uh, and the uh, candidates they were considering, I really do think that this is the best case scenario for the Broncos. I think that they got the best coach uh, that they could get for this team. Um, you know, I was I was hearing some stats about him on Denver Sports Radio. Um, for his career, his uh, he's got the highest uh, uh, average points per game for a head coaching career with more than forty games in the history of the uh, Super Bowl era, uh, and that is definitely where the Broncos need to improve um, their their points per game. They've been in the bottom. Uh, you know, four teams, if not the bottom team every year for the last five years. So uh, this is a guy that can get in here and really put the offense on the right track, make them competitive again. Um, I don't think that these amazing defenses has have a lot of longevity, but with, with how good the defense was last year in spite of a terrible offense, uh, when, you, when you look at what you know, the kind of help that they were getting from the offense, this Broncos defense is even more impressive. Um, They could have a really good record, you know, averaging 20 points a game instead of, uh, you know, 14, which is what they were averaging before the last two games without Nathaniel Hackett. Um, And that brought the total up to 17 uh, uh, points a game on the season. So I I think it's a great fit. I'm just... uh, I'm not maybe as optimistic that it's going to turn around in one season. I think it's going to take a little longer than that. I think they'll be a lot better next year, but I don't think it's like, okay, now we're headed to the Super Bowl, um, which is, of course, uh, what a lot of people want to believe around here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I think the Broncos are, are pretty big winners right here. Um, they did have to trade a first-round pick to, to get him. Um, but if you really look at that as trading Bradley Chubb for Sean Payton, which is essentially what it comes down to, that's the, the draft capital they got for trading Bradley Chubb um, uh, to Miami. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, I think big picture, long long term, this was a, a pretty good pretty good deal for, uh, what is it? George Payton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's pa- it's yeah. it's Payton Town now. It's not Denver <laughs> anymore. Uh, George yeah. Payton, Sean Payton, Payton Manning. We're we're Paytonville, USA. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, it's a, it's a popular name. Before you know it, there's going to be a bunch of millennials popping <laughs> out some Paytons. <laughs> so it's only a matter of time before that becomes the number one name for for babies in Denver. Right. Know? Right. <laughs> Gender neutral, of course. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's a great. I mean, it's a good hire. I mean, we we what are you gonna say? You know, I mean, they they completely. And this is just my opinion. Screwed up that whole situation with Russell Wilson. I mean, they, what what were they gonna do? You know, I, absolutely. Like, um, 
What they hired D'Amico Ryan's. I think he's a great coach, but do you think that would have saved any face in the situation? No. Like they're kind of backed themselves into a corner. This is what they had to do. No, this is what they had to do, and that's the thing. I think I think Russell Wilson will have a better year next year. Um and uh, you know, by the time they finish the twenty twenty four season, uh they might be might be moving on from Russell Wilson. We'll have to find out. But uh but Sean Payton he's he's a proven commodity when it comes to the offensive side of the ball and just being a leader. Um I don't think we'll see any more of this well it's what Russ wants to do, you know, which was a lot of what we got from Nathaniel Hackett. So uh I think this is a, a big step in the right direction. Uh and again, especially when, when I look at what the other likely candidates were. And I'm not saying that those aren't good coaches. Um, I'm just saying with with the problems that whoever the new coach was going to face, I think Peyton, uh, sorry, Sean Payton is probably the best equipped to come in and make big changes right away and, and really turn the ship around. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think you're right about that. But, but once again, I mean – what were they going to do? <laughs> exactly. They, had, they really, well, and that's. They had no choice. You know, from you know? the right perspective, that's a, that's a huge tip of the cap to the ownership. It's like, you guys needed to make this work. You guys needed to land Sean Payton, and you did. Uh, way to go. Yeah. I mean, I suppose. <laughs> I, I, I just, yeah. I mean, they needed, they did, and it was inevitable that they would. So, um, and here we are, you know, with Sean Payton in Denver and it it could be a good fit. I just, you know, two, no, what, no, no first round picks in the last two years. Um, and I know like what the argument is, well, that the Rams did it. Sure. Sure they did. But they also got Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, out of those deals. Um, you know, I mean, not Bobby Wagner, but sure there's a variety of other players I'm not even thinking of that they got, you know. Right. Uh, right. Sony Michelle, um, guys that helped them win Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, do you think they're that much closer to Super Bowl with Sean Payton without so, having draft picks? So I don't. You know? I I think that the yeah, Super I don't Bowl. Think so either. I think the Denver Broncos Sean Payton Super Bowl window is not yet open, um, which is a shame because you, you, you it feels <laughs> like there's a chance to open a Super Bowl window with the defense that's in place. Um, Right and uh, and and like I said, these these amazing defenses they don't last. Um, guys get too good; you can't afford to keep them. Other guys get injured or get too old and retire. It's really hard to to keep you know just a world beater defense uh, together. Pieces move out of the out of the lineup, and you've got to adjust. Um, so I think uh, I think that that uh, the Broncos will find some balance in the years to come. But uh, the the Sean Payton, you know, turning this around and leading us all the way to the, the hollowed Super Bowl, that's that's years away. Yeah. Uh, and that's – but the, and so the irony here is, is that they hired him to make it closer, and yet we all can acknowledge he's years away. Oh, yeah. No, he's years away, but, like, that's <laughs> that's the thing, too. Like – like th- uh, that is so you know, brutal. I, I was I wouldn't have been surprised if Sean Payton just didn't coach next year because, you know, you, you hear all these reports about how he wants to live in L.A. and coach in L.A. and and he could just bide his time, you know. But uh, 
something you know now now that it's all but done and, and definitely going to happen uh this is a pretty this is a pretty sweet deal for Sean Payton um he's inheriting what from many points of view is just an absolute mess okay so like if it takes you know 3 4 5 years to to be in that Super Bowl window uh that's that's not going to reflect poorly on Sean Payton um he's got to do the best with what's in place uh very low draft capital very low uh you know free agent budget so he's got He's got a real golden opportunity to take some team from just a, a complete mess, a total quagmire, to you know three, four, five years later, uh, looking like like a contender. And if he does it in less time, all the better. Yeah, sure, sure. I, I'm I'm not doubting that, but I mean, isn't that why they hired him to make him a Super Bowl contender next year? Oh, I really hope you know? that's not what they're thinking because I just don't see it happening. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't disagree. I think the logic, if you're a fan or just an analyst like you and I, uh, and you see it from the peripheral or from afar, it would it would it would look like this team's very far away, right? Oh yeah, and that was, that's the god honest truth. But that's not why they hired him. They hired him to get him there next year because he's a veteran coach. He's a proven track record, right? right. Well, and and it, they traded draft capital for him. That's usually how this works. You know, the, the expectation is is that we gotta get him. Now, yeah, it's you know? uh, it's not impossible that he solves all of Russell Wilson's problems. That he's that sort of offensive guru, and and he's gonna get Russell to move around more, and he's gonna make everything work. He's even gonna improve his ability to play from the pocket. He had a short quarterback with future Hall of Famer Drew Brees. <clears throat> um, all these things uh, that that you put in the the pro column that say this this could work we could be really great next year it's it's possible um but i just i don't i don't see it happening i think there's just i think for that to be the case you really do have to put all of the failure on nathaniel hackett and that's just not the way i saw this season they they did do a lot better when they moved on from him with the interim coach uh ichiro evero I think is his name. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so uh, the uh, you know it, it's not impossible, but uh, I do think that Russell Wilson uh, he's an amazing competitor. Not not trying to say that he's not an amazing uh, NFL quarterback or that he hasn't accomplished a lot in his time in the NFL, but he had so many things in place in uh in Seattle, you know, an amazing defense, an amazing run game, a great head coach. Uh and I, I say that begrudgingly. I'm not a big Pete Carroll fan. Uh but uh but he's undeniably good at what he does. Um and so if they can get back to that formula, great defense, establish a great run game, have an amazing coach in Sean Payton, um they could turn it around. But uh it would mean Russell Wilson looks like the old Russell Wilson, which I just never saw it this year. So uh, fingers right. crossed, <clears throat> fingers crossed that they're able to, uh, you know, put together a lot more wins in one of the more difficult divisions in the, in the league. Right. Well, you know, obviously Trevor with 
Sean Payton going to Denver Broncos, the script here has huh. certainly flipped in a lot of ways towards the Denver Broncos. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, there is something written in stone or on a piece of paper that's handed out before the season or during the season yeah. that says that the Denver Broncos are allowed to win in order to turn around their fate and their fortunes and rejuvenize this fan base because they have a new quarterback and coach. And only that would make sense to one person. And his name is Arian Foster. Right. And we weren't going to spend a lot of time on this, but maybe we will. I'm not sure because it's just <laughs> downright silly. But uh, on a podcast, not ours, but of course not nearly as good as ours either, but on Arian Foster's podcast called Macro Dosing, um, there was a topic of the NFL is rigged. And he went on to say that there are scripts handed on before the season and um, the league is quote-unquote rigged. So, um, well, here we are. Um, obviously, this you can interpret this a variety of ways, but before you go into it, Trevor, I just want to read some some hilarious tweets in regards to oh, yeah, bring it on. this topic. And, <laughs> yeah, so let me start off with Alvin Kamara, right? When they handed me the script for our season during camp, I almost walked out of the facility bra, right, with, like, the weird <laughs> side-eye emoji at right. Arian Foster. Micah Parsons, shake my head. I might show the script from the playoffs. Um, <laughs> and then Marlon Humphrey, me giving up 200 yards to, to Chase was just me following the script. Right, right. This is yeah. this one. No, if you weren't any good, this, you, you're, yeah. you're ready to lean into this one. <laughs> right, right. This one hurts the most. Who, who the, well, who the, you know what, wrote the Vegas ending? Oh, man. Meaning, yeah. And that's from Matt Judon, because we all remember that game. Um, Emmanuel Acho, the ESPN analyst, after after I read my script and it said I had to get cut five times by the age of 25. And it's an emoji of him, kind of like with a, with an ick face. Um, <laughs> Darius Slayton, me when I got the script for our 2021 season. And it's just a guy saying, man. <laughs> right? uh, George Foster used to be offensive lineman for the Detroit Lions. Me, a lion, after reading our 2008 script. And it's just a picture of him with a frowny face. Right. Former, uh, let's see here, former NFL, well, actually, Elijah Vera Tucker, for, former current guard for the New York Jets, reading the script after week seven, um, and it's, if you don't know, he got, he had a season-ending injury after week, uh, in, during week seven, so it's just a, it's an emoji of Stephen A. Smith laughing, right? Brandon Whedon, we all know how his career went. Um, ah, no wonder they scripted that flag to trap me before my first NFL start. The interceptions weren't scripted, I promise. So, um, yeah, I mean, some pretty funny stuff here. Trevor. Well, and, and you know, I'm, say, yeah, I'm not on Barstool Twitter. I'm not on Twitter, but there's a lot of former players on the radio here in Denver. They all have the same, same thing to say, which is, uh, you know, they're just, you know, laughing about it. They feel bad for Arian Foster because it's like, do you even know what you're saying, dude? Um, it sounds like he was macro dosing uh, before the podcast. Um, yeah, not micro. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and it's, you know, oh, I, you know, I, I hated it when they scripted me changing from D line to O line and stuff like that. You know, um, it's just, it's just pretty hilarious. You know, uh, whatever fan base is willing to sacrifice the most of their firstborn children to the lizard people are going to get a Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> No, the mole people want some to say too. So let's let's go ahead and do two two children, right? And then they can fight it out. And then whatever team represents both of those that wins, 
that's who gets the the fortune for the rest of the season. Right? <laughs> so it's uh, no, it's just ridiculous. And I, I, but you know what? Here's the thing, and to bleed into this a- the AFC NFC Championship game review that we're going to talk about here in a second, and might as well just get to it. I mean, anybody with eyeballs, right, who watched the game on Sunday, the AFC Championship game at least, and maybe some of the other games throughout the season, you would be sort of confused after seeing those games and then hearing this report and be like, yeah, they're rigged. Did you not see what happened? Right. That, that, KFC, that KC game? I mean, um, I don't think the NFL does does themselves any favors by, well, I mean, just doing the, the all-star referee committee we talked about before we went on the air. Um, Absolutely. By just, like, having no accountability for any of these calls, by just letting the referees go up on the podium afterwards and explain the calls as if they're even somewhat coherently understood after saying what they did and why they called the play, the, the flag, I mean, or whatever, or the review. There's, it, it, you know, if you were to take an alien and put him on Earth and, and they never watched football before, and you said these games are not predetermined, and then you showed them the macrodosing podcast excerpt, and then they watched some some the NFL, that would be a hard thing to argue that it's, that it's not. Right, and and this an is this is not it's not a new problem. We talk about this every season, multiple times, you know, throughout the season. Um, these uh, these bad calls, and and uh, even more importantly, the inconsistency with the way some of these penalties are called. Um, and uh, you know, I, I was sharing with Rob before we got on the air today. Uh, I think it would be really. I mean, I, I can't. It's just an idea. There could be big holes in it. The listeners can let me know. Uh, but I think it would be interesting if the officiating crews were kind of the, the third team involved here. And, you know, if, if in hindsight they blew calls or missed calls, uh, they faced fines just like these uh, players face fines for some of their penalties. Um, and, uh, and they're playing, you know, the, these officiating crews, they're officiating to be the best. And... Uh, you know, each you know the, the the best crews get to go to the playoffs, and each week the the officiating crew with the fewest mistakes that did the best moves on and officiates another game. And each of those games, their their salaries are extended, and 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 they make more money per game. So all these incentives for them to be more consistent and better at their jobs. Um, but uh, you know, what do I know? <laughs> no, I I mean you you can't. There's like hardly any hard proof to say that it is, but if you just watch, you can't help but feel something is not right. You know? Oh yeah, no, something like it's what? it's imperfect. That's not debatable. Yeah, um, it's imperfect. Well, Every well, fan base knows it. Um, right. Even even teams that win are often willing to admit, like, yeah, that was that was a messed up game. The officials really, uh, you know, screwed up. Even arguably affected the outcome of the game. Um, obviously, these, these blown calls late in the game feel like they matter more, but really everything that happens for 60 minutes leads to the outcome, uh, so it's all important. Um, and, yeah, the, the Bengals definitely got the short end of it in that championship game, uh, but even so, I, I see a lot of Chiefs accounts uh, showing, you know, some you know not as egregious, not as many, but the, the officials really blew... Uh, some holding penalties on the uh, on the uh, Bengals offensive line, things like that. Um, so you know, it's it it really does. It just needs to get better. 
because uh, the more it happens to your team, and and when it happens in a game like that, uh, it's it's just a real, real tough pill to swallow. Yeah, no question. But I, you know, I, I agree with you completely. I, I guess what I'm trying to say, in addition to that, is that the, I mean, just like you said, blown calls, but like even just like okay. Like the roughing the passer stuff, right? right. And especially right. when it's egregious on like certain star quarterbacks, you know what I mean? Right. That that seems like okay. That's a little weird to me, you know. <laughs> and then it's like I don't, you know. Then it's like just just some weird. I don't, I don't even know what else to say. But that one just sticks out to me the most. And then there's just some other things you see game in game out that it's like the the DPIs, the LPIs at certain times the the holding calls is you're like, boy, this could go either way, but sometimes they're so egregious and sometimes they don't get called. Sometimes they're not. They do reviews where guys clearly stepped in bounds or had the ball underneath their hands. I'm thinking of that Minnesota New England game, right? Right. I mean, how do you get it? How do you get that wrong? How do you get that wrong? And so I, I, like I said, I don't, I wonder if there's, I'm not saying there's conspiracy. It's rigged. Right. I think we both think it's ridiculous to think that, but I, 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 it wouldn't, it it wouldn't surprise me if there was some like outside influence in the NFL. Oh yeah, and the and, NFL executive. And and until thing. until they you know let let's say that because uh, you know I'm I'm the idealist optimist on this show and and I I I want to believe that that it's not rigged you know but uh, until they really do improve greatly the. Uh, the quality and consistency of the uh, of the officiating, I can't argue. I can't argue with people who say that it's rigged. It's uh, a- at least at that level. Now, the whole scripted the whole season that's obviously ridiculous. But uh, right. as to whether or not certain officials are pushing these important games in a direction, that's that's a real hard one to argue against because the right. you know everything we see kind of supports it. So. There you have it. I, I don't buy into it personally, but I'll admit that I, I can't uh, cannot tell you that you're crazy if you think that that uh, these important games get pushed one way or the other by the referees. It's it's impossible yeah. to say that it can't be happening. And, and lastly, and this is it, I, I think because some teams and players do generate a lot of like money and viewership and and just overall buzz for the league. It's it's advent, it, it just it's in their best interest to have those players, you know, like oh, yeah. in the limelight, in, in the most important positions at the end of the seasons. I'm not saying that like the best play. What do you mean? They, that's the reason they're there. Well, they're they're talented clearly, I, but I, I mean this is a business, <laughs> a multi billion dollar business. Its focus is to get viewers and sell ad chip and sponsorships and like among many other things, right? And what provides the best experience is getting the best players the most spotlight and to get them in the positions that that's going to produce the, the league the most money right just saying there's a, there's something there well and that's that the thing if there's if it weren't for these you know inconsistencies and bad calls uh no one would be surprised that the best players make it to the championship that makes sense but uh right. but yeah when you see it go down the way it did in this year's afc championship game it, it's you raise an eyebrow and I can't blame you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sus. Very sus, as the kids say. So 
Um, anywho, um, <clears throat> we're going to table that one. Probably will never come back to it. But <laughs> nonetheless, um, at least I hope not. It just seems irrelevant, but I guess we had a good conversation about it. But we're going to go, and we don't probably won't talk about the Super Bowl this week because we got a whole show we're going to dedicate to it next week, so we don't have to worry about necessarily talking about today. But, Trev, if you want to give me, even before we get to the conference championship games, I wonder if you give me two minutes about what you think of this Pro Bowl um, format this year. You know, it... I, I realize this is very different for, for a lot of different fans of the game, uh, especially generationally. Um, speaking for myself, the, the Pro Bowl game was always fun, but it wasn't something that I looked forward to all season. It, it's, it's really just kind of a filler in this off week between the championships and the Super Bowl. Um, so this, this feels like a, like a reasonable evolution of that of that weekend um now if if players keep getting injured because to me that's the biggest reason to not have an actual game but people can get hurt in skills competitions um but mostly i think it's a lot of fun it's nothing that these players are compelled to do they all they all do it because they want to um they all look like they have an amazing time doing it and it's it's something to occupy myself with. Speaking for myself, if uh, if I don't have something better to do the weekend before the Super Bowl, um, it's not something that I, you know, put a reminder in my calendar for. It's not something I could ever see myself really traveling to, unless I was, you know, going on a, a week long Super Bowl trip. Is it in the same city as the Super Bowl? No, no, but no, they should not. do that. It's right. it's in it's in Las Vegas, which isn't too far away from Phoenix, but you know, right. regardless, it's not in the same city. But uh, so. ba- basically, <laughs> I th- I think what I'm trying to say is, uh, I understand if people have strong opinions on it, but I I really don't. I don't have a strong opinion on like, oh, I wish they still had the the actual game, or they sh- if they're going to get rid of it, they should just get rid of it, or any of that stuff. It's it's still just a fun distraction for these guys before they go all the way into the off season. Um, and, and in some cases it's a chance for somebody like Derek Carr to, uh, to show what he's got. Um, you know, he's, right. he's without a team right now. He was, he was amazing in the uh, quarterback accuracy. I don't even know what they call the competitions. Um, but the, uh, you know, the, the moving targets, see how many points you can get with X amount of balls and X amount of time. And uh, and he absolutely dazzled, um, and he had a really, really I thought hilarious uh, post competition interview where uh, he he was asked if he had ever been that on fire with the uh, Raiders, and he responded, "No, that's probably why I'm playing somewhere else next year." And I thought that was just hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think it's uh, the way they changed it is, ma- makes more sense, but it should be in the same. City as Super Bowl, it would just make the fan experience that more special because you know people are going to get there a week early. Oh, absolutely. It that, doesn't that's make any sense. That's really the only Vegas way I could ever see myself crazy. going is like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in Houston for the Vikings against some AFC loser. Sorry, this is my my fantasy. Uh, and like, yeah, I could go a week <laughs> early if if it meant watching and attending some of these skills competitions. That'd be awesome. Right. Okay. We're going to move on to the AFC, the AFC NFC Championship game. We'll start with the NFC one because there's way less things to talk about. And I just want to know what your what your um, in, like impression was watching that game with Brock Purdy going down. Philly 
completely dominating that game, and I don't think it would have been a... I mean, it didn't look like it'd be much of a matchup even with Brock Purdy in it. And it uh, just goes to show you how important defensive and offensive line is. Trench play is super important because, well, <laughs> that's what decided the game. Yeah, it, to say. it really is. Um, I, I did think that this was the Eagles game uh, regardless, but... Uh, you know, seeing you know, seeing Brock Purdy come in the way he did and have the amount of success that he's had. He didn't just go on a win streak from the get go. He really was their best quarterback all season. Nobody nobody quarterbacked the forty ers offense better than he did this year. Um so to see him not finish the way that he did, to get injured and uh and and to see the, the offense really kind of fall on its face. Uh, the rest of the game, not not completely, but they just they just weren't competitive without him. Um, I, I think this was a much closer game if he doesn't get injured. Uh, I still think it's an Eagles win. Um, like you said, being able to dominate both sides of the line is uh, it's a really really difficult thing to do. That's why you don't see it as the recipe as often, especially with with O linemen being at such a premium. Um, but the Eagles. They have it in place this season. They're 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 the if you're looking at a team, on uh, at just their their linemen, offensive and defensive, there is no roster in my opinion better than the Eagles, um, and that is it's huge, especially when you're playing these quality playoff opponents. Um, but yeah, I mean, without Brock Purdy, thirty-one to seven, Jesus, that's uh, that's not a score you're used to seeing in the playoffs. Yeah. <clears throat> and just the the fact that San Francisco really didn't have a game plan. <laughs> I mean, it didn't look like it. No, um, I wonder it, it, how much how much this changes how Kyle Shanahan approaches things with quarterbacks too. Because um, three quarterbacks injured in one year. I mean, I think that and not the first time he's got a bunch of them basically killed. You know, I, I wonder what that says about his the way he approaches this this position moving forward. You know, you know it, I think you're right, and I think. Uh... You know, I'm I'm a big fan of Trent Williams. Uh, I think he's one of the best in the game. But uh, but yeah, they they have trouble keeping their quarterbacks healthy. And I I feel like for the last I don't know five years, the 49ers every year they're one of the most injury affected teams. That's that's been the song every season. Is like oh, if once the 49ers get healthy, look out! They've got the best defense in the league once they're healthy. Um, I don't want to put anybody on front street, but like, have you considered making changes to your strength and conditioning approach? Because I mean, yes, this is an injury riddled league, injury riddled sport, but the 49ers just seem to always, always have more trouble than, than the average NFL team does keeping, keeping their important players healthy. Yeah. It's on another level. I mean, especially quarterback though. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I don't Oh Yeah. I agree about the players in general, but the quarterback position, like how do you lose three quarterbacks in one year? Like, how does that happen? You know, I mean, granted, you're still competitive, but like, like I said, I don't know if it's the offensive approach, if he just puts him in harm's way or just the blocking scheme. He needs to, you know, I think, I think his, his fairly spread. So it's like five wideouts every, every play, basically five wideouts. So nobody stays in the block really, you know? Right. And it's just, the quarterback, yeah, get the ball out of your hands, West Coast offense. Um, but uh, it, it doesn't work out like that, <laughs> you know, I mean, for a variety of reasons, and these guys get killed. Yep. And that's what happened to Brock Purdy. That's what happened to Garoppolo. That's what happened to Trey Lance. It's not a coincidence, you know. These guys get hurt. 
Like well, that. and and you know there were there were a lot of things that you know one more thing that really was a bummer having him. I I, I don't think the Forty ers were headed towards a victory, but you know there was at least for people from my neck of the woods, you know, we were excited about the Brock Purdy Jalen Hurts rematch. Uh, they played each other in, in the Big Twelve in college, and it was an amazing game. I think both quarterbacks went away with five or six total touchdowns. Um, and uh, and the the Brock Purdy Jalen Hurts rematch, we we didn't get four quarters. Um, so uh, you know the there's a in a short amount of time there's just a ton of Brock Purdy fans out there. Whether you're a 49ers fan or not, you, you just love a story like that. Uh, so to not to not see him give it his best, win or lose for four quarters, it was very anticlimactic finish for the 49ers. The Purdy train, yeah. They, they, they're purdying, purdying hard for Purdy, right? Didn't, didn't really work, work out like they had hoped. But let's talk about the KFC. The KFC. Jeez, my, mind, <laughs> my mind's out. <laughs> let's talk about the Kansas City game. Um, a lot to be said here. We don't have a ton of time, but just your overall impression after the game. The, uh, the Kentucky Fried Chiefs. Um, yeah, the, the, that, yeah, that team. Yeah, yeah. The tasty one. With the, with the um, many you know, I, yeah. I, I, I was saying it before these games that I couldn't picture a Super Bowl that I wouldn't be excited about, and that held true. Um, but now we get the, uh, the Andy Reid Bowl, the, uh, the Kelsey Bowl. So uh, there's a lot of, uh, lot of story, and that's, that's one of the things we love about the NFL is the story around the games. Um, so... Uh, you know, the Chiefs coming out on top, you knew this game was going to be close. You knew, uh, you know, no one would have been surprised if this went into overtime and we're having another conversation about the overtime rules right now. Um, it, it didn't go that way. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, conversations about the game being rigged and the officiating not being as, as good, not nearly as good as we'd like it to be. Um, all that aside, I think the Chiefs played a hell of a game, I think, with with uh, perfect officiating, the Chiefs, I, I'm not sure that would have been enough to overturn this, this Chiefs victory um, as much as I was on the Joe Burrow train going into this game. Um, I think the Chiefs played really good football for four quarters, you know, managed to score the whole, you know, uh, three points, ten points, seven points, three points. Um, you know, shutting out the Bengals in the first quarter looks like the difference maker when you're just looking at the scoring breakdown. The Chiefs are very consistent, just like the Eagles were very consistent in their game, scoring throughout, um, you know, having a game plan and sticking to it. You could see the Chiefs had a game plan in place, and uh, and you know, we're the, the the thing that hasn't been brought up all week until I bring it up just now that I, that I haven't heard is conversations about Patrick Mahomes' high ankle sprain. Um, he looked, I mean, he wasn't moving around as much, but like he moved with confidence. Uh, they schemed around him being a little less mobile, and it worked. So I'm very excited. He's got another two weeks to get healthy, uh, you know, a week from this weekend as we're recording. But uh, I think this is going to be a really competitive Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, I agree, um, 100%. And uh, I, I, it's a, it was a masterful job of coaching. Obviously, you have to get some help from the refs because that's how the, the game works. These days, you know, but, um, yeah, I, I thought we said it last week I, that you take Patrick Mahomes from, he's the best, like the best quarterback in the league doing everything. And then 
you give him a high ankle sprain, somehow he's the best mobile, he's the best pocket quarterback in the league all of a sudden. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And so it, it didn't change anything. It just, it is, it was what it was. It was really an incredible performance. And I think he played pretty well considering. Um, and going up against Joe Burrow, who made some really strange plays. Really strange plays in that game. I mean, he threw a couple interceptions off his back foot. You know, granted the, the conditions were not great, but I, I couldn't help but think, you know, um, Kansas City, I think if they had a better run game, that game could have been a lot more. It could have been, it should have been 31-20 or something, you know, considering how well Mahomes was playing. Three for 340, you know? Yeah. The sprained ankle? Yeah. 68 QBR? Uh, yeah. I thought it was an impressive performance. Marquez Valdez-Scantling played really well. They blocked up Kelsey. He still had a touchdown. Um, the defense played okay. I mean, Chris Jones is just ridiculous. You know, they, they I heard after the game that the first time they played, they only put him in situations where he would be lined up in a specific gap against Cincinnati the first time they played. In this game, he was all over every single gap he played. He played a different gap almost every single down. Right. And he well, was just dominant. Absolutely and, uh, dominant. You know, one of the, one of the overlooked, uh, you know, aspects of the Chiefs' offense at the moment, in my opinion, especially with uh, Patrick Mahomes being less mobile, is uh, is Jarek McKinnon. And a lot of the listeners know I got a lot of love for McKinnon. He was drafted as a Viking. He was too good to stay the number two back. Uh, he was never healthy with the 49ers. He's reemerged this season with the Chiefs. Um, he is one of the most underrated pass blocking tight ends out there sorry uh running backs pass blocking running backs um so having a less mobile patrick mahomes uh having mckinnon back there to help pick up the blitz to help shore up the pocket uh it goes a long way towards uh towards those stats you were talking about yeah yeah it wouldn't surprise me now this is going to be a really impressive super bowl in terms of what you're going to see on the offensive line defensive line because oh yes uh, i mean a really good offensive line kansas city a really Amazing defensive line in Philly. It's just going to be a really a spectacle if you like fat guys. Oh no! Philly, if, if you're Philly watching the fat guys, if you like the <laughs> trench monsters, uh, this this yeah. is the Super Bowl for you. Um, yeah. I, I've talked about it recently. The the Philadelphia interior D line may be the best I've ever seen in terms of what they can it's do and incredible. the depth that they have at uh, at defensive tackle. It's just crazy. Yeah, you know, if you like watching buffet goers, okay, <laughs> this is the game for you. I don't know if you got one to one up me on that one, Trevor, but I'm gonna stick with that one. Oh man, you know? I mean, and, and so I mean, the possibilities are crazy. You know, it, it's the last game of the season; it's all on the line. Could you put Jordan Davis and Dominican Sue and Linval Joseph out there at the same time? Can you imagine right. that? I mean, that's insane. It, <laughs> absolutely insane (laughs) yeah absolute madness it's it's just the testament to that um to the depth like you said it's just something you can't even fathom that like four guys had 11 sacks on that team this year oh yeah absurd the the sack records both as a team and for the individuals it's just crazy so coming full circle our wrap up here is basically that uh philly looked more dominant than we thought they were gonna look oh yeah uh jalen hurt still looks hurt to me no pun intended (laughs) <laughs> and um, there is there is hope in Kansas City that their offensive line will hold up, considering how dominant Cincinnati was. And Chris Jones is the Travis Kelsey of that defense. I'm convinced. Just 
No. Insanely uh, productive. You predicted it, and I, I, I wanted to bring it up. I'm glad you did because I had forgotten. Uh, he had an amazing game. He had an amazing game, and and those were some of the uh, the less egregious missed calls. He got held, and it didn't get called. Um, he was such a menace on the D line, and uh, and he always is in the playoffs. And I think we're going to see yep. a, a huge effort, huge performance from him in the Super Bowl. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just can't wait. <laughs> yeah, likewise. And so we're going to cover the whole game next week. <laughs> That's right. So, we'll be back uh, next next week to uh, do all of our Super Bowl predictions. Yeah, yeah. We're going to spend a lot of time on all the all the important storylines in the game and the betting lines and some things that we might think might influence the game. We'll go position by position, potentially, or at least side by side, and try to figure out who could win this game and really dissect it. So we wanted to take time to get everything else wrapped up because uh, boy, there. I mean. I, they didn't need to have happen. There didn't need to be a lot that happened this week, but it, but there really was. <laughs> so, um, and Tom Brady seems to always conveniently retire, right when there's some media available for him to receive attention for it. So, um, but until next time, Trevor, you got anything else to say to our friends before we call it a do? Uh, just a shout out to a, a, a loyal listener. Uh, fly Eagles, fly. There you go. <laughs> And there you have it. Um, there is a an eagle in the house, uh, <laughs> a listener, and a uh, a brother of a listener who yeah. is who is happens to who also be in the coop <laughs> as the other eagle. <laughs> so um, until next time, folks, we'll see you then. We're out.